0: tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 30. Well, what a crazy time spring 2020 is turning out to be. If you're listening to this episode during the months of April or May, you know that the entire world has been turned upside down this past month by the COVID-19 virus. It can be a scary time. But you guys, it can also be a time filled with opportunity. When a deadly pandemic hit Rome in the 3rd century, nearly everyone scattered to save their lives. But it was the early Christians who stayed back to minister to the sick and dying. Their selfless act in time of danger did more to spread the gospel than any, any sermon that could have been preached. And if God's grace was sufficient for them, it's going to be sufficient for us. In Psalm 3419, the Living Bible tells us the good man does not escape all troubles. He has them too, but the Lord helps him in each and every one. In today's episode, Carol Kant is going to talk about a time when an unimaginable tragedy slammed into her family's life. But you know what? God met her there, and He not only gave her the grace she needed, He used that tragedy to perform His purposes. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I certainly did. Well, it is always such a joy to talk to Carol Kant. She is literally one of my favorite people in the universe. She is an author and a speaker. She's actually the founder of Speak Up Ministries, which is just an amazing ministry to equip the next generation of speakers and writers. She's also um, the founder of Speak Up for Hope a nonprofit organization that benefits a prison inmates and their families, which you're going to understand that a little bit more as we talk. She has written more than 20 books, and she and her husband, I've had the delight of, of hearing Carol's ministry firsthand and sitting down and getting to know you guys better. And you guys are the real deal, my friend.
1: Oh, Joanna, it is so good to hear your voice today, and thank you for that. I love being with you. I love co-laboring with you in ministry. And I just feel like our hearts beat together when it comes to doing kingdom work and wanting to give our best for God's glory so that ministry can be multiplied globally. And I know that's your heart too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, it was so wonderful to pick up your new book, it's called Staying Power, Building a Stronger Marriage When Life Sends Its Worst. And you co-authored it with another couple that I really love, Cindy and David Lambert. Can you just tell us a little bit about how the book came to be?
1: I would love to. Dave and Cindy have been in the publishing industry for a number of years. Cindy has been my acquisition editor for a couple of projects, and they are always on the staff team when we do the Speak Up conference every summer, equipping the next generation of Christian speakers and authors. So we get together, we talk, we laugh, we go out for meals together, and it has become a strong friendship. Well, we had a situation where our only child was arrested of a horrible crime and uh, sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And so we had gone through the throes of having a really happy marriage and then In the middle of having our son all grown up, we had this shocking thing uh, as a crisis in our lives. And Dave and Cindy had a little different situation where they had a drug addicted grown child who had a child of his own, and they wound up raising a granddaughter as if they were the parents. And so we said, you know what, for both of us, you know, these are things that we never expected. And I wonder what kind of resources there are for couples who are in the middle of their marriages and all of a sudden something comes from without. And that might be that you're dealing with uh, a child who is uh, severely disabled Or there might be a financial upheaval that totally changes your ability to do what you once were able to do as a family and as a couple. Uh, Or you might, as in our case, uh, have an incarcerated loved one or you have a drug addicted child, uh, or maybe your spouse has an accident. And so you wind up uh, being a different kind of caretaker, even though you love that person. But there are so many things that threaten our marriages. And we didn't ask for them, they seem to come out of the blue. And all of a sudden, we have to make decisions that will impact the rest of our lives. And as Christian couples, we want to do that to the glory of God, but we don't know how. So we sat down and talked one night and we went way into the late night hours. And we said, As a couple, uh, Dave and Cindy and Jean and Carol Kent, uh, we need to write a book about this. And little did we know, Joanna, that the book Staying Power would be born out of that. And it has been a a wonderful joy to write with a like-minded couple who truly believe that the answers to today's problems are in the Word of God.
0: Yeah, yeah. And oh, how we need that, because I think sometimes as Christians, we really think that life should be easy and that bad (laughs) things shouldn't happen. And so not only are our marriages shaken, but our faith can be shaken as well. And I just love how practical this book is as you guys just share the different facets of what that looks like. You know, before we went on, you and I were talking about that. Like, I, I really, really think that we've so Americanized Christianity that We've turned it into something that um, we believe should never involve heartache or suffering. Mm -hmm. And yet it does. Can you talk about that?
1: You know, I think many times we are geared to thinking, well, if I really pray hard about this, or if I study the Bible more diligently, everything is going to be much much uh, more easy to understand. And uh, in my case, Joanna, I remember when our son uh, was first arrested, I was praying for a miracle of mercy. Now, uh, many people have heard our stories so that they know that Jason is a Naval Academy graduate. He met and married a previously married woman who had two children. There were multiple allegations of abuse involving the biological father of the girls, And it appeared he was going to get unsupervised visitation. And our son began to unravel mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And we got a middle-of-the-night phone call telling us our son had been arrested for the murder of his wife's first Mm. husband. So we went through two and a half years and seven postponements of Jason's trial He was eventually convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. And, I mean, our lives turned upside down. And so for now, almost two decades, I have prayed for mercy. And, you know, my idea of God answering prayer would be that he would have a release date and that he would be able to have some form of his family life back and an ability to be productive outside of prison walls. But do you know, Joanna, God has not answered that prayer in the way I wanted it answered. And even though we were talking earlier about our expectations of what God will do, and when we are praying for something to happen, instead, God has answered in a way that has allowed Jason to be a missionary behind the razor wire Uh of a maximum security prison. And uh, we are watching him as he leads Bible studies and has shares the gospel with other inmates. And he's been president of Toastmasters on the inside teaching inmates (laughs) how to communicate. And I have to chuckle because I teach the Speak Up Conference. So I figure he's a chip off the old block. That's right. (laughs) And uh, we are watching God open ministries for us as we developed Speak Up for Hope, which is a ministry to inmates and their families that we never would have even thought of had this not happened. And so In many ways, we forget that, first of all, we're living in a fallen world where bad things do happen to good people, even good Christian people. And we probably have some listeners right now who are saying, that's true in my case. It's true in my marriage. And that we are not going to be completely free of stress and pain and suffering until uh, we get to heaven. And so it shouldn't be a surprise to us that we're dealing with some of these things. But what we will find out in the process is that if we have staying power, if we stay connected to God's word, if as married couples, we stay connected to each other and really listen to each other and communicate at a level that hears the heart of the other one, that we can make Christ honoring Choices that will mean our time is not wasted, and that we can use whatever has happened as a platform upon which we can give God glory and further his kingdom work.
0: Amen, amen. You know, I really do think we forget that this isn't heaven, no and, <laughs> and Jesus told us like right up front, he goes, Listen, in this world, you're gonna have trouble, and yet we keep thinking. That it should all be bliss and and sunshine and unicorns and yes. glitter, <laughs> uh, and yet what I love about the Lord is while He doesn't always interrupt and He doesn't always intervene, He always always redeems, and oh, yeah. that's just what you are talking about. Like I bet you couldn't have even imagined how the Lord was going to unfold this story and redeem this story when you got that initial news.
1: It stuns me every day when I realize what God is doing in the middle of this journey. And unbeknownst to me, one out of every 100 adults in the United States is in jail or in prison. Wow. More per capita than any country in the world. And so I never dreamed there was this huge mission field out there. And uh, we have talked to so many couples who in the process of having that interruption come into their lives. They've said, God has birthed a new opportunity out of this, a new ministry out of this. And uh, as you know, uh, I'm married to a pretty fun guy. Gene has a good sense of humor. And I had been noticing at home that his pile of black T-shirts was getting shorter and shorter. I said, honey, what's happening to your T-shirts? And he said, you'll find out soon enough. Well, we were at the prison The next weekend, standing in the long line, sometimes up to two hours to get through the security process. And I saw a woman turned away and she was sobbing and the rules change for what you can wear inside regularly. And she had on a sleeveless blouse and that was against the rules. And I suddenly realized Jane had left my the place beside me in the line. And I saw him emerge from the parking lot where our our car was carrying a black t-shirt. And he walked up to the woman, handed it to her and said, here, ma'am, put this on and go to the front of the line. Have a wonderful visit with your family member. And uh, he came back to where I was standing. And I said, so that's what's been happening to your t-shirts. He looked down, he said, it's my ministry. (laughs) And uh, Joanna, a month later, I was in Wisconsin speaking and shared the story of the disappearing t-shirts. And uh, a month later, there was a box on my front porch. It was filled with black t-shirts. The note inside said, Carol, I heard you speak in Wisconsin. And I work for a company that makes t-shirts and I can buy them very inexpensively. Please use this box of t-shirts toward your husband's t-shirt ministry through his trunk distribution program. We hope it helps some families along the way. And I had to chuckle because so many times we never dream that the unanticipated journey we're on in our marriage could actually lead to launching something positive and good and helpful and that people in the process will be blessed And in one of the chapters in staying power is about serving while suffering. And sometimes when we are in the middle of our suffering place with whatever is happening in our marriage, uh, maybe it is dealing with the repeated addiction of a loved one and you've gotten so far and then they go back to wrong choices again. And we forget that out of that sometimes springboards the most amazing ministry opportunities. And I, I tell couples, Look around and see one person who needs help worse than you do. Do a tangible act of loving kindness in Jesus' name for that person and watch what it does to your own heart. And you know, Joanna, when you give to others, the joy that comes back to you is just overflowing with encouragement. And so suddenly in the process of your own pain, you see God's incredible splashes of joy along the journey. And that's what we're experiencing. Oh, I love that so much.
0: You know, I I think that we get it so backward and we think that life should be trouble free when God, like you said, this is a fallen world, so we're going to have trouble, but God harnesses the very things Satan means for our destruction and he uses it for good. And I'd love, i love that. I mean, and yet it's so easy and I'd love to have you talk about that, it's so easy to get so inward focused and so overwhelmed by our pain that we we don't know how to get to that place where we can even see someone else's need. What would you say?
1: Well, it's so true. And uh, if you are struggling as a couple with one of those very difficult things that has happened. Uh, Jean and I have discovered that it's really important to make what we call predecisions, and those we call the non-negotiables. Uh, Joanna, it would be uh, the whole idea of the fact that you know you love each other, and so you are going to respect the advice. And the wisdom of your spouse, and you're going to listen to it. And if you decide that ahead of time, it keeps you from yelling at each other, which helps a whole lot. Yes. And uh, and then this one has been very important to us to make that that predecision of knowing ahead of time even when we're under pressure even when we're hurting we are going to serve our spouse sacrificially and you know when when jason was arrested jean brought me coffee in bed every single morning and he still does it now 20 years later and he would bring me coffee and he would put his hand on my arm or he would rub my feet and it was his nonverbal way of saying honey i know you're hurting I know you ache all over and so do I but I love you so much and that simple sweet gesture of serving me just increased my love for my spouse tremendously in the middle of feeling the pain of what was going on and then we try to practice what we call automatic forgiveness and what it boils down to is um, even if if Gene irritates me. And, and he does occasionally. Can you believe that? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I know in my heart, I love this man. And I know he loves me. And so I know his intentions toward me are good. And I am going to forgive him Even though he has irritated me right now, I'm going to practice automatic forgiveness because I know his intentions toward me are good and he loves me deeply. And that gets us through a whole lot of trouble to think in that way. And I love what Ephesians says, be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. And then this one is a tough one. I will control my tongue. I'm sure, Joanna, you are uh, so close to the Lord that you've never had anything really (laughs) negative fall out of your mouth. Never, (laughs) ever. (laughs) But I think we need to be intentional about using uplifting, kind, and encouraging words. And uh, we have tried to make a habit of saying out loud what the other one is doing well. And sometimes on our way home from visiting our son at the prison, uh, Jean will say to me, Honey, you really listened to Jason well today. He was struggling over an issue and you heard him out instead of being really quick to give him advice. He needed somebody to listen more than talk today. And those are the things that make you feel affirmed. They make you feel lifted up and encouraged tremendously. And I I always think back, I'm a preacher's kid, the oldest of six preacher's kids. Maybe that's why I'm a little bit bossy and I'm a little (laughs) bit of a control freak. Can you imagine that? And uh, I'm the kind of person that would love to put... uh, dealing with Jason's incarceration on a to-do list where I could accomplish something having to do with that and then cross it off like I've taken care of this. But it doesn't work like that when you live in a a day-to-day ongoing situation that doesn't change. But I was thinking back to my growing up years and I heard my dad tell about a couple who had been in a very serious automobile accident And the man was able to walk away, but his wife was in intensive care for a long time, and she had severe scarring. And in the middle of a very intense argument one day, he said to her, you old scar-faced woman, you can't you do anything right? And do you know from that day forward, even though he asked for forgiveness and even though he loved his wife dearly, she said whenever he looked at her, whether it was a moment of intimacy or across a room, she always envisioned that he saw her as an old scar-faced woman. And there are certain things we can't take back. We can't remove the memory of things like that. It can soften over time. But as couples, we can think ahead of time to choose words that are edifying, to choose words that uplift and uh, to practice being affirmers instead of discouragers. And uh, I like to be around energy giving people. And I like to, in my marriage, uh, try to lift Jean up instead of tear him down. Yeah. And that has been really, really helpful. Mm. It reminds
0: me of that verse in Proverbs 31 that talks about, she does her husband good all the days of her oh. life.
1: And then that little
0: piece of advice, the law of kindness is on her tongue. Yeah. That can be hard when we're under stress. And one of the things that I've appreciated about this book is you guys fill it with your own stories. Cindy and David tell their stories, but you also have stories of, of other couples that have walked through difficult things. And, and I do think sometimes we don't realize that when we are under stress, when something hits our lives, that we're not going to react the same way. And that that can actually become a wedge. Um, you talk, one of the couples that, you know, they'd gone through something, he saw it one way, she saw it another, and it, it literally began to destroy their marriage. How did you and Jean navigate that tension where you might, have, you might have been processing it one way and he was processing it another?
1: Well, one of the things that we did was to agree to disagree. And that was really helpful to respect the fact that uh, I know Gene is intelligent. I know he knows our son very well. And I know that he is someone who evaluates what's going on and he's a problem solver. And so I had to give him in my heart that leeway of making some decisions that might not be my ideal situations, but I needed to show respect for him in that way, which was really, really important for me to do. And, uh, and then he did that for me. And there were ways he served me. Uh, When Jason was first arrested, people would call relatives, good friends, and it would take about an hour to explain what had happened because Jason had never been in trouble before. He was a good kid and and, uh, he had gotten lots of medals from the U.S. Naval Academy and he was a stellar student. And so people were not understanding how he could have done this horrible thing. And it was mentally and emotionally and spiritually draining for me to take those calls, because I would live through the emotions of what had happened with every single person. And Gene instantly recognized that that was a place that was not my strength, that that it was just uh, making me fall apart. And so he took those calls and would explain as much detail as was necessary, while I had a chance to, to get a grip on my life. And then something for me that was so important, and, and I think together we learned it as, as a couple, is that we needed to learn how to take timeouts. And what we, what we really mean by that in this book is that when you are in the throes of dealing with a child with autism, or maybe you are having adoption issues with this child that you love so much, but things are not going well uh, you You need to be able to step outside for a moment, take a breath of fresh air. Don't always be so involved in the next decision you have to make that you never give your chance a self yourself a chance to breathe and then uh, this is something I had never thought a whole lot about before. But normally, when we have a situation in our marriages that's difficult, one of us is stronger and maybe more rested at a certain time than the other one is. And so give your spouse a break. You know, maybe they just need to take a walk on a day when you're feeling strong, and you can deal with the stress. And maybe uh, Jean needs to say on certain days, honey, have lunch with your girlfriends. I know it's going to be uplifting for you. I'll deal with this today. I'll handle this. And so it's really important to do that. And oh, here's a tough one for somebody who's a control freak like I am. Accept help from other people. Uh, One of the couples we interviewed for this book had an autistic child who uh, began to have severe anger issues. And so we Uh, They wound up with just a very, very hard time. She would smear her bowel movements on the wall when she was unhappy. It was a very, very difficult, intense time for them. And they had a precious sister of her husband, the, the aunt of this girl, who had often volunteered to babysit while they went to a movie or just did dinner together. And they had never accepted it, thinking, oh, it would just be too much work for her to deal with our autistic child. And they said, we needed to swallow our pride and say, thank you for offering. We would be so grateful to have you come over. And that wonderful sister-in-law of my friend began to give them one night a week for a date night where she would take care of their autistic child and they would know their child was safe and well cared for. And they actually were able to get away and do some fun things together. And we all need to be aware of the fact that we need to take timeouts in our marriage.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, and investing in our marriages and investing Mm -hmm. in our relationship because I think there's so much of life that is so demanding. One of the things as I was looking through this book is I just realized this is not just for couples that are in traumatic situations. Um, And it's not even for couples, just for couples who've been married a while. I think this has a lot of value for young couples. What do you
1: think? I agree. And uh, one of the things I've noticed in retreat and conference ministry, Joanna, is that when I talk to young women who are about to get married, there are often some stresses because some of them are coming from families where their own parents are divorced And they have been living in a culture where it's very common for people who even have been married for a number of years to leave each other. And so they have fears and they're so afraid that the pressures of life are going to destroy this love they have. And uh, there are some uh, self-evaluation tools and couple evaluation tools throughout the book. There will be some little boxed areas where you can ask your spouse questions that will help you get to know their personality, uh, what they like, what they don't like, uh, how they deal with uh, the need for rest, how they, they view the importance of taking breaks. And so there are some fun exercises that will really increase communication. And I think for that young couple that has not faced any of the really tough issues of life as a couple yet, that it is a wonderful way to prepare themselves for the future.
0: Yeah, for sure. I love, it's just such a practical, practical book. And one one of the things you guys do is you have a whole back of the book appendix that has 13 crisis help sheets they they they're so fabulous. Thank you for taking time to do that. How can we use them in our situations?
1: Well, I am so glad you asked about that. Because if you were to ask me what is one of the most helpful things in staying power, I believe it's the crisis help sheets. Because when you have a situation that comes up, and uh, you might be in the middle of finding out you're going to be caring for an aging parent, or uh, you you are now on the last thread of your last nerve red- regarding your addicted child, or maybe your child is struggling with some gender issues, which seems to be so common these days. Each one of these 13 help sheets is one page long, and it gives couples resources they can go to today to be able to get some answers, some resources, some advice. And uh, I think when you are in the middle of a challenging situation, it's really wonderful to know, hey, here's a whole list of action steps I can take right now that will get me more informed. It will give me a Bible-based resource and some practical helps so that I know what to do next.
0: Well, that is really,
1: truly one of the beautiful things about this book. It's
0: just so practical. And you give us advice that we can use right away. One of my favorite ones was the 10-second rule. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, this is one of my favorite things in the book, Joanna, so I'm so glad you asked. Um, Claire de Graff is an author who talks about the fact that sometimes decision-making is hard in marriage, and yet every single day is filled with the need to make important decisions. And he says he tries to live by the 10-second rule. And here's what it is. Just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do, and commit to it immediately in the next ten seconds before you change your mind. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I have trouble making decisions because I want to evaluate the pros and cons of every decision I have to make, and then take as many days as needed to try to come up with what I believe <laughs> yeah. is the best solution, and it. Can- keeps me from using my wisdom and my biblical insights and just doing the next right thing. And so what Gene and I got out of this 10 second rule is that we are to evaluate what the question is that we're dealing with, especially as it relates to our son's welfare. And uh, we need to be prayed up We need to seek the wise counsel of people who know us, know him and know the Lord and uh, talk about what the options are. And then as quickly as possible, make a choice, do it quickly and then Don't look back and start uh, thinking, oh, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Just move forward because you believe it was the reasonable decision God wanted you to make at that time. It's what Jesus would have you do. And that has saved me so much emotional agony to just follow the 10-second rule. Evaluate, meditate on God's word, discuss it with your spouse, and then move forward.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's especially powerful when we're, we're in those places of pain and so much is out of control to try to be able to discern what is within our realm and what can we do. And I love that. You know, one of the things that I, I'd love to have you talk about, because I think it touches to the heart of women, you know, we really do have this idea of how we want life to go. And we've got dreams for our children. We've got, we've got this whole uh, scenario, whether it's conscious or unconscious of how our life is going to look 10 years down the road, 20 years, 30 years. And so especially I just, I guess my mama's heart is touched to think that this was your amazing son who was so incredible with so much potential. And not only that, but your only son, how <laughs> I know you've written a whole book on laying my Isaac down. Which for, <laughs> everybody out there, you guys need to to read that. But how, as I've just been working on this book on trusting God and learning to let go and surrender, but then hold on in faith. How have you navigated that personally?
1: Joanna, it is a one day at a time way to live your life. And I say that because I am so much the goal-oriented person who wants the five-year plan, the 10-year plan, and I want it to work out in a logical order. And I have needed to say, Lord, today I give you this day. And one of the things I love doing is prayer walking. It gives me exercise. I try to walk about three miles a day on my at-home days, and uh, often Jean and I will do that together. And uh, we will start to pray, and we will just say, "Lord, right now today, we just lift up Jason to you, Father, as he encounters people on the prison compound." help him to be an encouragement and a blessing to them. Lord, would you allow him to use his education, his biblical knowledge, and in his personal relationship with you to encourage somebody today? And Lord, would you allow Gene and me to help somebody else who is on a difficult journey today because we know what pain feels like, emotional pain and and not having your expectations for your child's life be everything that you hoped it would be. And do you know, out of that, comes a kind of rippling joy that i can only explain in the supernatural dimension. and uh, joanna i think back to uh, speaking in griffin georgia one weekend and i had been asked to share our story on our journey with jason and a couple of days later i got an email from a woman named tammy wilson She said, Carol, uh, thank you for showing compassion for the victims of violent crime, as well as telling your own story. She said, my own mother was murdered 13 years ago in a botched robbery in St. Petersburg, Florida. She said, I looked your son up on the Internet and I discovered he's in the same prison where the man who murdered my mother is serving his life sentence. His name is Matthew Ben Rodriguez. She said, for the last several years, I've been praying that someone would share Jesus with Matt. Do you think that Jason would try to meet him and share the gospel story with Matt? Well, I'm not allowed to initiate calls to my son. I respond to digitized collect calls. So I printed that letter, mailed it to Jason. A couple of days later, I was at a visit. I said, Jason, do you know Matt Rodriguez? He smiled. He said, Mom, he's my best friend. He's in my biblical (laughs) counseling class. He's a dynamic Christian. He said, we don't live in the same quad. But after counseling class, I said, Hey, Matt, is your middle name Ben? He said, Yes. How would you know that? He said, Matthew Ben Rodriguez. He said, Yes. He said, Well, then Matt, I have a letter for you. And Uh. Jason handed Matthew, the letter from the daughter of the woman he shot and killed in this robbery, saying she was praying for him to come to faith, and he began to weep. And Jason said, Mom, you're going to meet Matt today because his sister's coming to visit. He'll be out in the visitation area. A half hour later, Out came his sister. Matt was called, came in, greeted his sister with tears running down both cheeks. He came over to our table, got down on his knees. He said, Mrs. Kent, thank you. Thank you for sending the letter. I had already written a five-page letter to Tammy Wilson and her family asking for their forgiveness But he said, I have had no address to send the letter to. Will you ask her if she would receive my letter? I said, I sure will, Matt. I got home and I emailed Tammy Wilson. She emailed her address back the same day. And since that day, multiple letters have passed back and forth between Matt Rodriguez and Tammy Wilson and Matt and Kim Tammy's sister and Matt and the brother, Patrick, who was in high school when his mother's life was violently taken. And there has been forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation that I can only explain by God's mathematics. And Joanna, I just want everybody listening to our voices to know that no matter what is happening in your personal life, in your marriage You might feel like God has let you down and that there's no more hope. You might think, oh, I never dreamed I could be in this much pain. And you, you might even feel disappointed in God because you've tried to be faithful to him and it just feels like he's not coming through for you. I want you to know that nothing has to be wasted, that whatever has happened, you can choose to make an offering to the Lord. And and I just, even now, as I'm talking to you, I have my hands raised up saying, God, I relinquish to you my expectations of what I thought my marriage would look like, what I thought my life as a mother would look like. I never dreamed it would look like sitting in a visitation area in a maximum security prison with razor wire all around me. That was not my dream. But Lord, I will thank you for the surprising joy-filled moments and opportunities and ministry you give to me as a result of what has happened. And I make them an offering to you. And all the while, I am focusing on eternity because I know this life is not all there is. Something more is coming and it's good. And we celebrate that.
0: Amen, amen, amen. Oh, and how much we miss when we get paralyzed at that point of pain. Yes. And I love, I just love that you guys have allowed God to get his hands on you to heal your heart, to to keep your marriage strong. I, I thank you guys for paying the price. I'm sure there have been many times when it would have been easier to give up. It would have been easier not to even talk about your situation, especially as a public figure. And yet you have just given God access to it all. And I I rejoice with you at the beauty, the beauty that's come from ashes and the, the gold, the gold that has come from the darkness, the treasures of darkness that, um, God has for us. But I, I keep thinking you mentioned that had none of that would have happened had that young woman not been willing to forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think this speaks so much to our marriages because Sometimes our hurt comes out sideways at one another. Sometimes perhaps it's the spouse who has wronged us. Uh, they've been unfaithful or or, or they betrayed us. How, how do we walk in forgiveness in our marriages
1: and in our lives? I think walking in forgiveness is an ongoing choice. And uh, I love the fact that... Uh, Forgiveness isn't just a one-time choice. It's a daily choice because the enemy comes at us and says, oh, don't you forgive him. He made this bad choice. He hurt you. He made your life miserable. So when the enemy comes with those negative thoughts, we need to say, Lord, I choose to forgive him again today. Lord, I, I choose joy. I choose to walk in faith. I choose to put my focus on that, which is eternal. And I believe it isn't not just a one-time occurrence. Forgiveness is a daily, sometimes even a moment-by-moment choice. Yeah. And what's interesting is that it sets you free. And uh, Mm -hmm. sometimes we forget that unforgiveness makes us a prisoner of our own making And uh, that is a horrible place to be. And and we want to say, too, regarding forgiveness, Joanna, that forgiveness does not negate the wrong done to you, but it sets you free from bitterness and anger and ongoing immobility. It sets you to be free to walk in joy and in love and to move forward in a new direction.
0: Amen. Amen. I just think of those women out there that are, have had their lives radically changed by someone else's choices, mm-hmm. uh, broken by the evil that we unfortunately have brought on ourselves in this fallen world. And yet when we give our hearts access, give God access to our hearts, He really is able to change us to use everything that the enemy intended for evil and turn it for good. And Mm -hmm. I just, I would, I'd love to have you pray for those people out there that, that just feel like everything's been ruined. Mm. Like everything's been ruined and they don't see how it will ever be. All right. Would you lift
1: us to the Lord? I would love to. Oh, father. Being in your presence is so sweet. You are the God who loves us. And I lift up to you every woman who hears my voice right now, who has been wronged. She's been hurt. She might be in a situation where her once brightly lit faith fire feels like it's turning into an ash heap. And Lord, I pray that you would be her healer and her Lord, I pray that you would help her to see your face and to hear your voice say, I won't ever leave you. I won't Mm -hmm. ever walk away from you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Lord, right now, we place the hundreds of situations that are represented by those who are listening right now into your hands. And Lord, with open hands, we say, God, I give up my control over my husband, my child, my parent, my circumstances, my grandchild, my financial issues, my health crisis, God, we give to you what we cannot control. And we, we say, Lord, give me the wisdom to make the next right choice based on your truth. Lord, open our hearts to guidance from people who spend time with you. And help us to be willing to receive the love and help from those who surround us. But most of all, Help us to put our focus on that, which is eternal, that heaven is awaiting all of us who know you personally. And one day we will walk in a world where there is no more pain, no more hurt, no more sorrow, no more disappointment. And until we get truly home to heaven, Lord, we will be faithful Even if in this world we don't understand why you have allowed certain things to happen, we will still choose to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Oh, Carol, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I just, I'm so grateful that you persevered. And Thank that you, you continue to persevere,
1: one day at a time.
0: That's it. That's <laughs> it. And girls, I just want to encourage all of us. You know what? This walk of faith is a the long haul. It is a long obedience in the same direction. And but here is the exciting thing: we don't do it alone. The Lord is there, and I just sense so strongly as you were praying, Carol that there are women today that are tapping in to the staying, keeping, enabling power of God. And something is shifting. Something is shifting in your situation. Not, excuse me, not just necessarily in your situation. Girls, something's shifting in you. Now live in that power. Live in that enabling strength. Of the Lord. And
1: Carol, you keep writing books. We need you, girl. Oh, thank you, Joanna. And it is such a privilege just to speak and write for God's glory. And I know you feel the same way. We have a shared mission, and I love sharing this mission with you, my friend. Have you noticed
0: how the enemy loves to use difficulty to divide us during this quarantine time and all this? what quote-unquote quality time we've been given during this crisis, well, it might be driving you nuts rather than drawing you close to the people you love. So I hope you'll take time to apply the tips Carol shared today. God wants to give us a new perspective on this time. Rather than living in the future and worrying about what might happen tomorrow, He wants to give us peace today. To help us access that space of grace, I've created a free devotional called Be Still finding peace in troubled times. You can sign up to receive your free copy over at JoannaWeaverBooks.com forward slash Be Still. And I hope that you'll check out the show notes for Carol's episode. You can find all the links to her new book and all of the good stuff that she offers. Let's use this time to draw closer to God. Because here's the deal, you guys. The same ingredients that inspire fear, the unknown, viruses, health crisis, danger, They're the same ingredients that are needed to build a great faith in our heart toward God. We don't have to just survive this difficult time. God wants to help us thrive. He wants to teach us how to live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time.